the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. If you are going to be who God's called you to be and to excel and to see the increase and to see the success God's called you to see, uh, we're, we're talking about it from the standpoint of an overcomer. And people always, you know, there's everybody wants to overcome. Everybody wants to live in victory. Everybody wants to be in a place where they're seeing, uh, you know, favor to favor, victory unto victory, grace unto grace. And there's a lot of people that are frustrated not understanding how do I get to the place of victory. People shrink back from, from the battles. There's, there's, there's been battles all along the way. No every, every, every plateau, every increase, mm-hmm. it's, it's always come on the heels of battle. But there is no victory without a battle. Exactly. Right? Yeah. You so have to fight to be a winner. We're not expecting defeat. We're expecting victory. Yeah. We are constantly focusing. We're... We're, we, even if this next battle comes, we're ready. We're ready. Yeah, ready to fight. We're ready, man. And so that's why we wanted to take today, Pastor Brian and I, to talk about what does it look like to be an overcomer? How do you accomplish that? God, without question, God expects us to be overcomers. The Bible calls us overcomers already. But the, the question is, how do you walk in that on a daily basis? How do you get to the place as a believer where you stop going from crisis to crisis, issue to issue, problem to problem, and you start going from faith unto faith, victory unto victory, favor unto favor? It's funny because there's some Christians that looks like, looks like they're always living on cloud nine, whereas other ones seems like they're going from crisis to crisis all the time. What's the difference? I mean, some would say, mentality. does God love one more than the other? No, no absolutely no. not. He doesn't love one more than the other. He's not favoring one more than the other because he's already uh, pre-chosen that or elected that. No, it's all in response to our obedience to God's word. Our own personal obedience to God's word determines the outcome of our lives. So today we want to cover with you guys six things that should be characteristics in every believer's life that will take you into a place of overcoming faith where you're walking in constant victory. And so I want to I want to pray before we start and ask the Lord to open up the eyes of our understanding and give us a fresh faith. Let the gift of faith overtake us so that we can see that kind of victory in our own personal lives. Father, in Jesus name, I pray for every person that's watching today. I pray that you'd open up the eyes of their understanding. Let their faith be built. I pray that that we teach today by a gift of faith and a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And, And Father, touch every person. I ask you to let this final two months of this year be months of explosive increase for God's people. In the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you and we give you praise. Amen. Amen. All right. So let's jump into this today. If you're taking notes, you're going to want to write these down. We're going to give you scriptures. We're going to give you these to to back this up. But we want to talk about these six things. And uh, the first thing that came up in my spirit today when I was praying about this is how do you walk in constant overcoming faith as a believer? Number one, the first key is that every overcomer sees the end at the beginning. That's the first thing. (laughs) Every overcomer sees the end at the beginning. And, and what I mean by that is, is that the Bible tells it, tells it to us this way, without vision, people perish. 
Or one translation, I thought this was so interesting. In one translation, it says, without vision, people cast off restraint. Restraint. And, and that, that's an interesting way of putting it. Because when you say without vision, people cast off restraint, that sounds like something you'd want to happen. I don't want any restraint on me. But, but it actually is restraint is something that you do want. Because Pastor Brian and I were joking last night because we both jumped on the keto diet. We've been on the keto here for a while. And we were laughing. We were laughing about what we could and couldn't eat. You know, we were at, we went to eat at, at Denny's oh, last man. night. Went to Denny's. Yeah, what do they hand you at Denny's? Denny's. A whole, their menu is just, they're not words, they're pictures. Yeah, pictures of pancakes. Pancakes. Nothing that I can eat. I'm Heavenly sitting there delight. looking at pecan crusted There's nothing more than I love than a good pancake. <laughs> but the thing is, when you're, when you're, when you have a goal, right, when you've got a vision, there needs to be a restraint. Because here's something, if you're taking notes, you need to write this down, put it in the comment section. Vision doesn't just tell you what you should do. Vision tells you what you shouldn't do. Vision doesn't just tell you what you should do. It tells you what you shouldn't do. Vision creates boundaries. That's exactly it. And that's why you want the restraint. Vision creates a boundary. If I'm going to accomplish this, I can't do this. No. That, that, that's the key. If I'm going to accomplish this, I cannot do this. Vision creates direction, gives you Absolutely, it where does. you're going, what, who you should be going with. So if you're going to, if you're going to get into ketosis, <laughs> you can't squirt a half a cup of ketchup on your eggs. <laughs> I'm not saying anybody at this table did that. I'm just saying that you can't do it because, you know, ketchup has sugar in it. And so you can't you can't get into ketosis. Well, there's a great lesson involved there that you know. Oftentimes, you know, <laughs> oftentimes we don't know. <laughs> and so there's a there's a a, a a wisdom there's a study there that that comes from no. But but the, truly, we're talking about that happened to me. One of the things I didn't know about when I first started is I didn't know you could overeat protein. You could eat too much protein which actually ends up turning into sugar, kicks you out of the state of ketosis, and then you don't lose weight. And I'm sitting there eating, I'm no carbs, and I'm sitting like, well, I'm not, uh, why am I not losing weight? It's because I didn't have sufficient wisdom. So, right, with, without vision, but here's the other thing that we think about. My people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. knowledge. And so what happens is, is that if you're going to see the end at the beginning, it means you've caught a divine vision. It means you know where you're going. Most yeah. people have no idea where and, they're going. And you can't defeat an enemy that you can't identify. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if, if, if you don't recognize the difference between your enemies and those that are for you, right. then you'll always you know, fall prey to, 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 your, to your enemies. They'll, they'll, they'll dominate you every time. No question. But the minute you have a vision, the minute you can recognize what's not of God, what is of God, then, then you're, you're on a better path. So vision gives you direction. Vision creates passion. There's nothing like seeing where you're going. Yep. There's nothing like sight, the vision. There's, it's, it's the blessing of God to be able to see. If you're going to be, so, so here's the thing. People say, well, how do I know if I have a clearly enough defined vision? I heard this once. I'll never forget it. You should, be, and of course, that's the scripture we're going to. Write the vision from Habakkuk. Write the vision. Make it plain upon tablets that they may run who read it. But the, the thing about it is this. Your vision is not clearly enough defined Un- unless you can clearly write it down. If you can't write it, it's not clear enough. Clarity matters. And I heard, I heard, a, I heard somebody say this. Was, I don't know if it was, uh, I think it was John Maxwell. But he said something interesting. He said, if you can't write your vision clearly, 
to somebody on the back of a business card, you have not boiled it down enough to what you're actually supposed to be doing. If you can't say, hey, Crossroads Community Church, and then with one or two sentences, what yeah. you're about, and, then it's not clear enough. Andy Stanley says it should be simple enough to be memorable and transferable. Yeah, you should be because able to you be can't able to, transfer the vision to somebody it, else it, unless they if understand If you can't it. communicate it, then you can't transfer it. Absolutely. And every overcomer sees the end at the beginning. It means I'm not just... <laughs> I'm not wondering where I'm headed. I'm not wondering where I'm going. It's the same thing. Like when I, if you were to use Google Maps, you actually have to input a destination before you hit start. You can't just say, well, I'd like to go somewhere. Google, take me there. Well, it's like, where? Where do you want to go? <laughs> yeah. I want to go to a specific place. And see, your vision should be a specific place. You know, don't just say, this, this used to bother me when, uh, this used to bother me when I pastored young people. I'd say, well, uh, they'd come to me and say, Pastor Ted, I want, a jo- I want to get a job. You know what I'd ask them? Well, what kind of job do you want? Well, I don't know. I just want a job. Well, that, that's, not, that's not specific enough. <laughs> Your faith needs to have a specific target. You've got to have an end destination in, point, uh, in mind. How much money do you want to make? What kind of benefits do you want? What kind of work do you want to be doing? Because people well, you know, I'd just be thankful with any job. Oh, really? You'd be, you'd be just as thankful. Uh, flipping burgers as being a CEO no, of a company? No, no, no. Get and that's the mentality of America today. Yeah, they don't know where they're going. They, they'll just settle for anything. If you don't stand for something, you'll settle for anything. But the thing is, if a Christian is believing for something, they should never settle knowing that our God can do the impossible. He can do anything. So if he can do anything, why should we take a back seat to somebody who's not even serving the Lord, who doesn't honor his principles, honor his covenant, obey his word, and say, well, they should have better than I have. No, I should be at the top if I serve the one who created the universe. Well, the steps of the righteous man is ordered by the Lord. Absolutely. So, you know, if, if you don't have a vision, you'll, you'll be happy being stuck. Yeah. Britt makes a great point. She said here, I heard once, if you can't explain it to a seven-year-old, you don't understand it yourself. Truth. And that is true. If you can't explain it to a child, then you don't understand it fully enough yourself. When you see the end at the beginning, it means you've got a vision. I know where I'm headed. My, my uncle Tiff said this, and I'll never, I'll never forget it. He said, um, it's hard to hit a target you can't see, but it's impossible to hit a target you don't have. Oh, yeah. So if you don't create what the Bible calls, you've got to get, and, and, and I, I'm going to correct myself, you don't create your vision, you discover your vision. Because God has a purpose for every believer. Yeah. So we're not creating our own visions and we're not creating our own destinies. No. We're actually discovering them. Actually, Bishop Oedepo wrote that in his book on understanding divine direction. He said, every believer has a purpose from God and it's our responsibility to discover what it is and then accomplish it. And you should be able to explain your vision. No and question. Because you can't expand what you can't explain. Mm-hmm. You, 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 if you can't explain where you're going, you can't take anybody with you. No question. Come on, let's go somewhere. Where are we going? Yeah, I, wherever. Let's, let's just go somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Or where, where is that place? You know Not what I mean? Not quite sure. You know? And, and then, you know, what's interesting. I, I was listening to a preacher. He said this. He said, if you don't know where you're going, anywhere you arrive looks like it. Right. If you don't know where you're going, anywhere you arrive looks like your destination. You know, if you were going to go to Disney World and you had a layover in Charlotte, you don't get off the plane in Charlotte and start chest bumping and Put fist your bumping. Mickey Mouse yeah. ears on. We, we made it. No, you're still in Charlotte. And right. so there's no Disney World in Charlotte. That's right. So don't stop there. If yeah. you were to go then get a rental car yeah. and not take your other leg of the flight, you've missed it. Yeah. Because if you don't know where you're headed, 
anywhere you arrive looks like your destination. It's not your destination, it's just a layover. So you have to be uh, discerning where I'm going. I can clearly define where I'm going. That's, that's what a vision is. A vision is a clear mental image of what you see and where you are going. Absolutely true. And that, that's if you're gonna be an overcomer, you've gotta know where you're going. You've got to be able to see. God's given us eyes to see. Mm-hmm. And if you can see it, you can have it. Yep. This is the, uh, the, the verse of the passage of scripture I want you to get here. In 2 Kings chapter 6, we have the story of uh, the evil king uh, of Syria who wanted to destroy and kill Elisha because Elisha was constantly hearing his plans and, and thwarting his plans. So he said, well, if he keeps hearing what I'm saying, let's kill him. And so Elisha uh, was staying in this town with his servant and uh, the king sent an entire army to surround the city and to kill Elisha. And when the servant woke up in the morning, and by the way, this is 2 Kings 6, verses 8 through 23. Uh, when, the, when the servant woke up in the morning, he went out and looked and saw all the soldiers that were surrounding the city. But then he went back in panicked. Yeah, fear. And said, hey, we're surrounded. They're, gonna, they're here to kill us. And the prophet was not nervous, was not afraid. He just prayed a simple prayer. He said, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. See, the problem, the reason that the, that the prophet was not full of fear and freaking out is because he could already see the end at the beginning. He already knew that there were angelic armies surrounding their enemies. He already knew chariots of fire, horses of fire, angels carrying fiery swords, shields, and spears. Yeah. And then he said, Miracles. open his eyes, and he said, because there's more with us than there are with them. And then when he went back outside, the servant saw what the prophet had initially saw. See, there, there's a difference between having prophetic eyes and servant eyes. That's the problem right there. People, instead of seeing possibilities, they only see problems. There's too many of those. They, 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 don't, they fail to see those that are for them, yep. and they're only focusing on those that are against them. Yeah. And I feel like there's a bunch of people, not only in, maybe in this room, but that are also watching online. Absolutely. Are moving forward in the vision because all they see is the problems that come with the vision and not the possibilities. That's absolutely true. You know, they're seeing, uh, if, that's, that's, if you can't see victory, you'll never have it. That's exactly right. That's why it has to be in your spirit, in your mind. That vision has to be in place before you can overcome. Like, like King David, that man right there, that giant right yeah. there, today I'm going to have his head. Yeah. You know what I mean? He, he didn't see defeat. He saw victory. Imagine how he talked. Now, this blows my mind. I went back to just check, my, check on this uh, a couple of weeks ago. It blows my mind every time that David said to Goliath, today I will cut off your head and feed your flesh to the birds of the air. Now that right there is being able to see the end of the beginning because David had no sword. So I, how are you going to cut off a giant's I, head with I, no sword? I love that story. There's nothing, There's probably... I, I love the fact that that giant came out and what he wanted to use to destroy David was the very thing that David used to cut his head off and, and, and to destroy him. Absolutely. So you're, what, what did David have? He had his vision in mind and in his spirit before the fight even began. And what did he do? He began to speak out his vision. Love you too, Uncle Tiff. There's Uncle Tiff. We were just talking about him a moment ago. And so he began to speak out Michael, his vision. Michael Spencer, Alan. Good to see you guys. Raina. Love you. 
Hey, Joe. Good to see you. Jamie. What's up, Jamie? Out there in Canada. So that brings us to point number two. It's not just being able to see the end at the beginning, but number two, once you see it, you've got to say it. Oh. Once you see it, you've got to say it. See it. I like and I, say it. I like what the apostles said in Second Corinthians chapter four and verse thirteen. It, it, they said, "We believe, therefore we speak. We've believed, therefore we speak." So you can only speak what you believe. Quoting the psalmist. Yeah. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if your heart's not filled with your vision Mm. and it's filled with fear or it's filled with trepidation because of what the surroundings look like, you'll you'll end up speaking the natural circumstances or, well, you know, it's not really the time to start a business right now. I've talked to several people and the economy's not really where it's supposed to be. And so we're probably going to hold off for a couple years. What are you doing? Now I'm speaking what other people said. Instead of what God told me was yeah. coming to pass. Pe- people hold on to their vision and they never release it. Mm-hmm. You, you, vision needs to be released. It has and to that's, come out of your mouth. Vision needs handles. It, it, it gives people the ability to run with you. Yeah. It gives people the ability to get behind you. It, and, and it actually in, it broadens your territory. Vision is a vehicle. That's right. That takes you to your end destination. Vision is a vehicle that takes you to your end destination. If you're taking notes, write that down. Vision is a vehicle, put it in the comments section, that takes you to your final destination. Vision is a vehicle that takes you to your divine destination. Here's the issue. If you don't understand it, you can't write it. If you can't write it, you can't speak it. I just got this. Vision is a picture of your victory. That's true. It's absolutely true. And the reason it's important to have the picture is because the enemy will give you plenty of pictures on the, on the, on the journey. He'll, he'll give you pictures of what, what it's going to look like when you fail, what it's going to look like. Here's all the problems. Yep. (laughs) And he'll make sure you see it. I love how Bishop Rick Thomas, who's uh, my pastor, he said this is that you have to paint a picture on the canvas of your mind. That's exactly what it is. It's that thing that you keep in front of you all the time. It's already painted. I can see it. It's like a painting actually looks like it becomes a window. It's like, it's like I'm looking out into something that's, right. it's not even real yet, right? But I can see it like it is real. I can believe it like it is real already. I talk like it is real yeah. already. It's like doing a puzzle. When you get a puzzle, you have the picture of the puzzle on top of the box. What do you do? Yeah, you look at it. My, my, my mother-in-law. Look at it. Yeah, you look at it. Just look at it. Look at it. And so they would put that puzzle box right there, and then they were able to identify each piece that, that they have and Absolutely. where it goes yep. and how it fits into the big picture. Absolutely. And so you, without the picture, it would be hard to do a puzzle. Exactly right. Yeah, so that's the key, is that you keep it in front of your eyes. And that's what, that's what God told keep Joshua. Vision always before you. He said, take this book of the law. Do not let it depart from your mouth. Meditate upon it day, day and, and night. night. Why? So that you'll be careful to do all that's written herein. Yeah. So you can't do something. You're not going to take action steps towards something that you're not meditating on. No. Blows my mind. I was listening. This is kind of a weird example. I was actually listening to an, a, a, a serial killer be interviewed after he was in prison. And one of the things that he said was that the reason that I got to the place where I was, he said I would actually, he was a very famous one, he said I would actually sit around and, and uh, meditate or fantasize about those situations. He said, I just think to myself, what would happen if I saw a, um, a hitchhiker on the side of the road in, at, at night? And he said, I always think I could pick him up. I could take him somewhere. I killed him. Nobody would even know. And he said, I kept on thinking about that, kept on thinking about that until finally the devil accommodated his imaginations. 
and there was the opportunity. Right. The enemy will always accommodate your imaginations. He'll give you an opportunity to walk out your fear, walk out uh, right. all, all these things. And you have to be discerning enough to know that I'm not going to allow the wrong thing to fill my heart because number one, not only do I want to, want to think the right things, I want to be able to write the right things and say the right things. Because every, if, you, if you've never heard this before, and I'm sure you have, every word is a seed. Every action is a seed. This whole kingdom of God is based on seed time and harvest. People, you hear seed time and harvest, people always think finances. It's everything. Everything. It's Lifestyle. everything. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also That's reap. That's what Bishop says, uh, prosperity is a lifestyle. Absolutely it is. Whatsoever so a man reap. sows. You know, that, that word whatsoever is very important in that. That means if you want friends, you have to sow friendship. Yep. If you want love, you got to sow love. You want peace, sow peace. You know, you, know, right? you know why most people don't have peace in their home? They don't personally sow it. That's why there's crisis. If you're the husband of your home and you don't sow peace, don't be mad because there's strife. <laughs> I always tell people that. If, you, got, if you, you always complain, I ain't got no peace in my home. Start sowing peace. You're the head of your home. And you'll get a harvest of peace like when candy. you sow what, peace. What, whatever's coming out of your mouth is coming back to you. Absolutely true. Right? You know, we, we don't take, many times we don't take responsibility for what's taking place. But we have to realize everything that's happening is the result of what we've said and sown. Yeah. Everything is a harvest that comes back from a seed that went out. Everything. People say what they see, and then what they say strengthens what right. they see. Exactly right. You're fortifying something. You're either fortifying the devil's plan for your life yeah. or God's plan for your life. Your words are fortifying one of the two. What comes out of people's mouth determines the outlook that they have in life. You know, I grew up in, in West Virginia where people... And it may not be because of any, any fault of their own. It's just how people grew up. There's all these, um, you know, we have all these colloquialisms that people say, you know, and it has, they're completely contradictory to the word of God. But, you know, if you, you walk up to somebody, you've probably heard this. How you doing today? Well, I'm hanging in there. Yeah. I hate that. What, is, what does that mean? Yeah. You know, how can you ask a Christian, how are you doing today? And they reply, I'm hanging in there. You know, it's like. How does that mesh they, with the they scripture? Creep, they creep up over life like, yeah. oh, there it is. <laughs> how, how, does that, how does that mesh with scripture that says that I'm more Hang than a their conqueror? Head up there, yeah. Am I more than a conqueror or That's, am I hanging in there? Right? Yeah. Am, am I an overcomer yeah. or am I hanging in there? You can't hang in there too long. No, no. Your arms it's, get tired. It's ridiculous. Well, I hope I hope we have a good year. You know, there's a lot of a lot of rough things happening yeah. out there. I feel like, you know, trying to do a pull-up and you, you're, you're, you're out of gas. Yeah, it's, it's exactly, and, pe and hanging people, in there too long. people sit around with those, <laughs> and they don't realize that those colloquialisms actually become their mindset. It, it becomes their lifestyle. Yep, and then you sit around, you know, well, why, well, you know, our family really never had nothing. Nobody's ever gone to college in our family. You know, oh, yeah. never had nothing, probably no, never will have anything. That's it. You yeah. know, well, we've Bad always. Bad luck flows in the family. You know, we've always been broke. You know, our family ain't never had no money. You know, it's yeah. like, well, keep talking yeah. like Bad that. Bad things always happen. Yeah. Nothing ever good happens. And, and, and literally, I grew up listening to people talk like that. And you say, well, I wonder why, why is my life a wreck? Well, it all came out of your mouth. It all came out of your actions because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So you will experience the reality of what you believe to be true. 
You have to see yourself as being victorious. You have to speak as if you already are victorious. And you know what's funny to me is that people hear you talk like that and they act like, well, that's you, you guys are just teaching new age theology or new age philosophy. You know, it's that whole like whatever you imagine you attract to your life. Like, you don't understand. God actually created that system. New age philosophy hijacked it. You understand? Yeah. You, you look at these guys that are putting out business books. You can go to Barnes & Noble, pull out business principle books. I think half of them I can. are based on on scripture. Right. It's like, I wonder why this is so successful. Because it's leader, based on God's and word. And all the leadership books, too. Yeah, no greater what, leader than Jesus. Right. And they get all their leadership principles from him. So it, it, it makes me laugh. You say, well, you know, I talked, I taught last week on, uh, or the week before on meditation, the power of meditation. You, you hear the word meditation and you think Buddhism or you think new age philosophy. They didn't create meditation. God created it. And he created it for his people to increase and to be blessed because you will experience the reality of what you believe to be true. So you, you don't have to just have the ability to see the end from the beginning. But number two, you have to speak what, or you have to believe what you say not what you see. Right. And I'm talking about in the natural. I believe this over anything I would see in the natural realm. I believe this word. This word is preeminent. It sits above everything else. Everything. Every experience. You know what I, what I can't stand? I'll preach a message on divine healing or protection. <laughs> and some will come to me, well, brother, but I knew a guy that was as godly as you'll ever want to see. He died of cancer. It's like, Oh, I didn't realize that his life was the word of God. I didn't realize that we substituted now God's holy yeah, we, inerrant we, we, word we with base, his life experience. We base the entirety of the of 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 the Bible based on one person's. You can't do that. I'm not going to change my no. doctrine Gosh, no. because one person didn't have their promise fulfilled. And, and, and the thing is this: you can't point to a person because here's the other thing: unless you spent 24 hours a day with that person and watched every single thing they said, did, thought, you can't you can't, de you can't determine or discern why they didn't have their promise fulfilled. And I can't judge them and say, well, the reason he did it. I don't know their story, but what I do know is their story is not what governs my life. This word governs That's my life. Right. And I refuse. And their story is not your situation. Exactly. I'm not, that story's not. I've, listen, I can keep on preaching. Listen, I've done this and to, to people that were offended the fact that I did it. I can keep on preaching that I will <clears throat> never die in a plane crash. That every time I board a plane, every other person on that plane should lift their hands and thank God that I just got on because that means the plane can't go down. The fact is, I'll never die in a plane crash. I'll never die in a car crash. I'll never die getting mugged in an alley and, and robbed and stuffed in a dumpster somewhere. You'll never find my body crumpled up in a crack it's house overdose. Yeah, you'll never see it. But you know what? There's people who come and say, well, you know, so-and-so is a Holy Ghost preacher and he died in a plane crash. Yeah. I don't care. His story's not my story. His story's not my story. This word is my story. Psalm 91 is my story. And so it's a huge mistake, by the way, to let the stories of other people's lives determine the reality of your life. Their life is not the word of God. The word of God is don't, the word of don't God. Don't let other people's stories determine the vision of your life. Absolutely. Let scripture define the vision of your life. Let now, scripture define your vision. I, I use this term, and, and, I, and I know for those of you that are, that are on the theological side watching, you'll know what I'm talking about. But, but it gets used in a wrong way a lot of times by other people in other denominations, but there's a term called sola scriptura. 
scripture alone. Yep. Now, I know, I know that those that are reformed don't believe it the same way we do. They believe in no personal revelation, meaning that God can't speak to us. He can't, well, there's, there's not prophecy, there's not tongues interpretation. We can't have revelation. They don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit then. But I do believe Scripture alone stands above everything else. Scripture alone. If somebody said they had a prophecy for my life that didn't line up with this word, Done. it means nothing. Yep. If somebody has a word for me that doesn't line up with this Bible, means nothing. This word is preeminent. This word stands above everything else. And did you know that the Bible says in Psalm 138 and verse 2, God has magnified his, his word, word above, above his, his name. name. Above his name. Psalm 138 and verse 2. God has magnified his word above his name. That's how important the word of God is to our life. Absolutely true. So I don't allow, what I say, I, I, I believe what I speak, not what I see. Why? Because I'm speaking this. This is what's coming out of my mouth. This is what's coming over my life and over my children and over see my it? business and Speak over my it? finances and over my relationships. This is what I'm speaking. So if I'm not seeing the manifestation yet, yeah. I don't kick a can and get depressed you and say like, it. guess it doesn't work. No, I keep speaking it until I see it. One of the greatest things, I had a Bible given to me by, by my uncle, uh, Pastor Terry Shuttlesworth. And he wrote in the front of the Bible something that I'll, I'll, never, uh, <laughs> I'll never forget. He said, uh, in the very front of the, the flap, he wrote, preach it till you feel it, then taste and see it. Preach it until you feel it, good. then taste. You know why? Because there, there's times you have to preach it when you don't feel it. You ever done that as a pastor? Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> Had to preach when you didn't feel it? There's Because your flesh doesn't always I preach myself into victory. Absolutely. I preach it to myself long before I preach it Absolutely. to anybody else. There's times you don't, I don't believe quote, that unquote, I can't preach feel it. it. Yeah. I've, I've done all kinds of stuff without feeling it. But you do it until it comes on you. You do by dedication. There's times you'll take off dancing, not because you feel like dancing, because you know that you should praise the Lord. You start off in the flesh, but you end in the spirit. I'm telling you. Yeah. And you, you know it to be true. You'll start preaching. There'll be times I'm sure you've stood up as a pastor. Your flesh didn't feel like preaching another word. No, and then the Holy Ghost then kicks the, in. Then it hits you. Man. But what's, what's that? Preach it till you feel it and then taste and see it. Preach it till you feel it. And then taste and see it. I'm saying what I believe, not what I we, see. My family, we are always careful to guard our, our mouths. Mm -hmm. we, should, we should guard our tongues. For the Bible says that it has the power of life. And That's right. Death. So we are very quick to catch the other person yep. speaking death yeah, we don't and say not that. life. We don't say that. We, so, <laughs> I, you know, and sometimes it leaks out of us, you know. Oh, my head hurts. Oh, I've got to scratch my throat. I, I might be getting sick. And so we're very quick to catch each other and keep each other accountable to right. not speaking a, a, a destination that we don't feel like we want to end up in. Yep. So, you know, I, my, my wife said one time, she goes, oh, my head hurt. I said, say it one more time, your head will explode. <laughs> say it one more time, your head's going to explode. But you know what's great is I'm leading her in that. And then it was funny. I said the same thing because it just it sometimes it just comes out, yeah, right? Your, your flesh slips your out. Your flesh mm -hmm. slips out, you know. And so that's why we should guard our tongues. The Bible says, "Put a watch at my at my mouth." Yeah. <laughs> that uh, yeah exactly. I'm not I'm not I'm gonna 
Same thing people say with their thoughts. Well, brother, I can't control the thoughts that pop into my head. You might not be able to. But you can guard them but you, can, you can determine whether or not you dwell on them, yeah. that you sit and think yeah, about them. The Bible says take every thought captive and make it obey obedient. Jesus Christ. Make it obedient. That's the ticket right there. Take every, you know what that means? That you can take evil thoughts captive and put them into an invisible prison. And say, so I refuse to dwell on you. And so then I can do what? Set my mind on things above. above. That means that I am in full control of my mind. If I can set it, that means I'm in control of it. If I can set it, yeah. I can set my words. I can set my thoughts. I can set my actions. You know why? Because I've been empowered by the Holy Ghost, Galatians 5.22, to walk in the power of self-control. Ooh. Remember this. The fruit of the Spirit is not a self-help message. Say, well, you know, I'm going to just choose to walk in love and be a better person. No, a person that's not empowered by the Holy Ghost can't just choose to walk in love. You'll just, there's times you feel like smacking people, you'll smack them. You know, it's like, dude, I don't feel like walking in love towards him or her. I don't feel like having joy. I don't feel like having peace that passes all understanding. But when you get filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, that's why they're the fruit of the Spirit. Because now that I'm filled with his power, I am empowered to walk in love. I'm empowered to walk in joy, empowered to walk in peace. And the power, I have self-control. You hear people talk about self-control, they think, well, brother, you're just preaching that self-help. No, the Holy Spirit empowers me to be self-controlled. I couldn't do it on my own. If if every person in the world just had self-control, then even sinners could walk with no issues. But that's that's not how it works. It's a fruit fruit of the Spirit. And that's, I consider it to be the most important fruit of the spirit because all nine are choices that you have to make. Right. Love's a choice. Oh, they're, they're all choices. You know, I, I heard of, I was telling this the other week on the broadcast. A guy came into his pastor and said, uh, I don't know what to do. Pastor Steve was telling me this in Rochester. I don't know what to do. I don't love my wife anymore. I don't feel any love for her. I don't, I'm not in love with her. I don't feel love for her. And, and I, I don't know what to do. You know what the pastor said? Love her. So what do you, I just got done telling you, I don't feel any love. He said, love her anyway. Take actions of love. That's Take it. her on a date. That's right. Take her to the movies. Take her to dinner. Do the chores yeah. for her. Wash the dishes for her. You do whatever. Just a- actions L- of listen love. Listen what's coming out of his mouth, though. Yeah. He's shaping his future. Absolutely. By what he's saying. I don't love her anymore. Of course he's not going to love her because he keeps saying it. But, but you know, the pa- <laughs> I love what the pastor said. He said, take the actions until the feeling comes back. Because by taking the actions, by doing the thing, it governs your life. Like you're saying, it takes you into that direction. And so you see the end from the beginning. You believe what you say, not what you see. They're the one to twin powers. What you see shapes what you say. And then remember this, what you say shapes shapes what what you see. Yep, they work together. But number three, it takes us into this. Now we're making decisions. Overcomers make decisions based on the future, not the present. You need, to, you need to write that in the comments. Every person watching, those of you that are here in the, in the audience, you need to write it down. Every overcomer makes decisions based on the future, not the present. That's right. Makes decisions, you know, because the- I live in the future. That's right. You've got to. You've got to. Because your vision's in the future. I go back to the future all the time. It's, that's exactly right. It's not in the present. Anytime is this, I get is pulled this, into the present, I got to go back to the future. Is this where you're going to end? No. Is this building where you're going to end? No, we're not done. Is 600 people a week, 1,100 at Christmas where you're going to end? No. No. However much your annual income is, that's not where you're going to end. No. So what do you have to do? You can't make decisions based on where you currently are, but you make decisions on where you're going, where you're headed. You, you saw this before you built this building. Absolutely. What did you have to do? You had to have an architect 
draw this building. That's it. Before you built this building. Oh, yeah. Because you have to be able to see that thing and know what's going to be built before you build it. Nobody just starts like it's Lincoln Logs and starts laying stuff down. I think this will be a good place for a wall. No, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. There's an architectural drawing before you ever see the actual building built. Why? I have to have the vision written, and I've got to be able to see it yeah. before it actually exists. Well, if you're going to build a building, you've got to count the costs. You've got to determine, you know what I mean, what the structures yeah. and what the, what the building looks like. Right. Long before you ever start building the building. So what do you do? When we're talking about number three, you've got to make decisions based on the future, not the present. If you're sitting there looking and you say, uh, you had the architectural drawing, you say, you know what, um, I'm going to cut out a whole portion of this wall. You can't do that. Why? That's a load-bearing, that's a load-bearing area of the building. It shapes what you do. Yeah. So what, what's the story? I can't now. I cannot make a decision based on the present. I have to look at the future. No, that's going to be a load-bearing wall. So I can't mess with it. Determines what you do and what you don't do. Exactly. Everything I do has to be based on the future, not the present. And this is where people get hung up, by the way. If you're listening, uh, this is where people get hung up. They get hung up because they're in a place where all the decisions they make are based on right now. Yep. Well, I can't, so, I can't tithe right now because I feel like I don't have enough money. It's, I can't give right now. This stage right here is where most people die. Yep. In the vision of where they're at, no you question. Know what I mean, they they see. Let's let's take a drug addict for example. Drug addict, I'm, a vision of me being drug free. Uh, I'm not going to do drugs anymore. Um, I, I'm seeing it. I can see it. Uh, I see me as a drug free person. I uh, I'm starting to speak as a drug free person. I'm not speaking. You know, oh, I'm going to be a drug dealer for the rest of my. I'm going to be a drug addict. I've st we've stopped saying that. This I'm using this context. And this was even me personally. Uh, many years ago, I had to see myself as delivered. Then I had to start speaking as if I was delivered. But the problem comes in the decision-making process where right. people fail to make the right decisions to get them to where they need to be yep. instead of where they are. Who are you hanging with? And who, where and, are you going? So people make these mistakes right here. I'm not going to do drugs, but they'll go hang out with people in nightclubs. They'll start drinking alcohol. They stop doing drugs, but now they're partying so hard on alcohol that they get inebriated, they get intoxicated, and then they start making bad decisions. They end up with the wrong people with wrong a big places. pile of drugs in front of them. And yep. guess what? Oh, I fell. And you know how many times people fall? And All the time. They, people don't fall. They walk slowly into the process. Right. They don't like fall off a cliff. Yeah. <laughs> they walk down into the valley. You didn't walk out your front door fall face first into a club into a pile of drugs it doesn't it doesn't work that way it doesn't work that way it's little decision after little decision you know, it's true it's little decision you don't end up at a table with a big pot i no. couldn't say no i don't know what happened i don't know what happened one second i was pumping gas pumping the next gas, second next my big face was in a pile of cocaine it was I, right there yeah. i just couldn't do it it doesn't work like that Listen no. to what Proverbs says. Proverbs 11, 24. One situation after the next. The Bible says, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers poverty or lack or want. Seeds. So understand that everything is a seed. And so when you're making decisions based on the future, not the present, if you look at the present, you won't release the seeds of your life. Look at Isaac and Isaiah uh, in, in Genesis 26. Isaac was led by God into a place, Gerar, and he said, go there, I'll be with you there, and now sow into this land. And it was a time of famine. Isaac could have easily said, no, 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 no. 
You don't sow in a time of famine. You hoard in a time of famine because there's nothing to eat. There's nothing. We got to keep everything. No. So what did he do? Obeyed God. And when it didn't look like he should release, he released because God said so. Right. What was he doing? He was making decisions based on the future, not the present. And the Bible says in that same year, God blessed him 100 fold and he became so wealthy, according to scripture, that the king of the nation showed up at his house and said, look, you're getting too, too blessed for us. So we're going to have to ask you to go ahead and take all your stuff and move somewhere else. You know, you're in serious place of, of increase. If Donald Trump showed up at your house and said, you've become too rich for America, we're going to have to ask you to move to another country. I mean, like literally, this is what the, the king was saying to him. You've, you've built so much wealth in right. your tribe that you're devaluing our currency. I mean, think about that. And the king of the nation asked him to take all his stuff and move away. That's a serious amount of blessing. God could bless you so much that they can't put a yoke of bondage on you. That's the, that's the whole point of the increase of God. It breaks the yoke of bondage because you become so great, there's nothing that can contain you. And that's what the devil wants to do. Keep you small so he can contain you. Put, put his hand around your neck and crush you with containment. But when the increase of God hits you, it expands you. I love how the King James says that he'll make your neck fat. I love that. Yeah. He'll make your neck fat. The, people think, well, what does that have to do with anything? Because a yoke is something that goes around your neck. That controls you. To control you. That's why if you've ever seen the Amish even still plowing their fields or whatever, they got oxen or horses out there with yokes pulling a plow through a field. Those oxen or horses were not born with those yokes on their neck. Their taskmasters put them on there, made them slaves to do the task. And the devil will put a yoke around your neck and have you dragging stuff through life that you were never created to drag. Uncomfortable. Depression, sickness, disease, poverty, lack. And you're sitting there dragging it. But the Bible says the yoke is destroyed and taken off your neck and the burden lifted off of your shoulders. The, the, this is an interesting thing. Because in Isaiah 10, 27, if you're, if you're not there, you can turn there. And I bet you'll see this in your Bible. Because it's the King James that says, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. But all of the newer translations say this. And in that day, burden will depart from your shoulder and his yoke from around your neck. And the yoke will be destroyed because of the fat. That's what, you know why it says that? Because it says the meaning of the, the Hebrews, the Hebrews uncertain. It's not, it's not because of the anointing. It says because of the fat. And the anointing brings increase. The anointing makes you fat. He's the God of increase. That's right. So what, what's actually happening here is talking about the fact that you become so fat with increase that the yoke is now too small to hold your neck and your, your increase shatters it. Increase comes from decisions. Absolutely right. The and decision to sow will bring a, 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 an increase to your life. And well, that's why this is saying here in Proverbs 11. A decision to withhold will bring poverty. decrease to your life. No question. And if you make decisions based on the right now, I've had people tell me that. So, well, brother, I, we just can't afford to tithe. You can't afford not to. <laughs> you can't afford not to. If you're not a tither, you'll always be a beggar. No question. You end up, people that say that haven't been given in the first place. Right. Well, brother, I can't afford. It's funny to me how many people can't afford to tithe, but they can afford a carton of cigarettes. I've never sat in, somebody is asking for help here at the church. I've never sat in the room with somebody. I've never sat in the room with a tither asking for help. I had a guy walk into our church in Virginia. He said, I, need, I know what you guys preach here. I really need financial assistance. I said, oh, you do? He said, oh, yeah, I'm really struggling, really struggling. I looked outside. 
brand new F-150 with a brand new thing of tools in the back. He's carrying a brand new smartphone. I said, where are you staying? At a hotel. Brand new truck, brand new phone, brand new tools, stand at a hotel, but you need financial assistance. You know what, I mean? it's like, you know what I'm saying? Bad it's decisions. Like, bad decisions. Pe- people aren't thinking. You know, people, people are not thinking. And the, and the thing is this. They are always making decisions. You cannot make decisions based on right now. You can't cross you, a bridge you burn. There was a time. I'll tell you. There was a time Carolyn and I were in, in a place of debt. I'll tell you this. In a place of debt early in our marriage. And so you have to make a decision. Maybe, I'm sure there's people watching. People, I'm sure watching us, they're still in heavy credit card debt, uh, student loan debt, all this stuff. You got to make a decision, okay? Here's your decision that you have to make. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay off this debt, but while I'm paying it off, am I going to pause my tithing so that I can pay off more debt? And that happens am I going to stop my giving? Every single day. Of course it does. Every and so there's, day. there's a temptation. Well, here's what seems wise. Uh, take all of the money that you can, put it towards the debt so you can get out of debt. Then problem you start is, tithing. Yeah, problem is... You can be cursed while you're paying off debt. <laughs> and never see increase. And I'm telling you, I, we put God first. We never stopped. Not only did we never stop our tithing, we never stopped our large giving. That's the thing that got you out of debt. Absolutely That's the it thing is. that got me out of debt. No question about it. It doesn't. It, biblical economics does not make sense to the natural mind. It doesn't. And that's, that's the problem. People base their decisions on what seems right to the human mind, not based on what God said takes place in his kingdom. They, they make decisions. Decisions based on their flesh, not on the word of God. You know, I'm not giving medical advice. I never do that. I don't even have a medical degree. But people, when we go into our times of fasting and prayer, people go, well, brother, I'd love to fast with you, but you know, I have this disease or that disease, or I have this, and if I don't eat, then this happens. But, and, and I'm not telling them what to do, but I tell them this for me. If I was battling, of course, we know one of the benefits of fasting is swift healing. Yeah. But I would tell them this, I would rather die obeying God yeah. than live disobeying Ooh. God. So look, if I'm going to actually go on a fast and pray and God lets me die because of it, I, I wasn't serving that, going to be like yeah, in heaven. I wasn't serving that powerful of a God in the first place. <laughs> right. If I'm obeying his word yeah. to fast and pray and seek his face and he lets me die in the midst of it. You know what I'm saying? I would rather die obeying God than I would live disobeying God. And so we make decisions based on the now or what a man said or what a, a, a specialist said. And people end up in problems because you can't base. The, let's listen to this scripture from Jeremiah. The Bible says that uh, cursed is the man who puts his trust in the arm of flesh and in doing so turns his back upon God. So think about this. When you put your trust in men, you're not just disappointing God. The Bible says you're bringing a curse upon yourself and turning your back on God. Disobedience. Bishop Oedepo said the Lord told him one time, he said, can you, my son, can you make one of your eyes look up and the other one look down at the same time? And he said, I was in prayer. He said, I tried it. He said, I, I couldn't do it. He said, in the same way, don't ever tell people that you're looking unto me when you're really looking unto men. And that was the word God gave him. You can't look, you can't expect help from both. It's like a shockwave that one. Oh oh yeah, it hit hit his spirit. He said it hit his spirit and never forgot it. Because you cannot put your full trust in God and put your trust in men at the same time. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable. 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 No question. You can't trust a double-minded person. Yeah, that's exactly right. So you understand uh, that we're making decisions based on what's coming. I see my vision. I'm making decisions based on that, not yeah. what's going on right now. That's right. Not what's going on right now. Uh, if, if we do, we'll miss out on a, obtaining our vision. And we'll always, 
remember this and write it down. Put it in the notes if you're if you're taking um, if you're taking notes. Put it in the comment section. Those of you that are watching, if I make decisions based on the now, I'll put myself on a hamster wheel and never get out of the now. I'll be in that all the time. I'll stay right at this level because all I'm doing is making decisions based on this level. Yeah. If I'm going to go to another level, I have to start making decisions based on that level. Decisions right? determine direction. Yeah. Direction determines destination. If you were going to play sports, let's say basketball, and you wanted to get better at playing basketball, would you go to a kindergarten playground and start playing one-on-one with kindergartners? Every time they took a shot, smack it out into the grass, like, ah, you know, no. You're not going to get out there and, and, and take a kindergartner to school. I'm a visual. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's not going to happen. What do you do? You get around people that are better than you Push are. Push the little. Yeah. You don't, you don't do that. First of all, you go to jail. Like, why are you on this, why are you on this kindergarten playground? But, but it's like you get around people that are better than you, and you start going up against them. There what it is, happens? right there. It, they're already at the next level. Yeah. That's where you want to get. That's it. So what do you do? You start making decisions based on the next level. And that's the thing that has to happen in your life with God. You've got to make decisions based on the future, not based on the now. If I make them based on the now, I'll never get out of the now. I'll be at this level forever. And I don't want to stay at this level. I want to level up constantly. Got to get with people and got to make decisions based on that next level, not the level that you're on. Absolutely. Number four, the fourth characteristic of an overcomer we talked about this this morning always ready to fight always ready to fight prepared for battle paul said to timothy in first timothy 6 12 fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life only fighters are qualified to be winners only fighters are qualified you could be a referee in the ring with the other two fighters when the bell rings you'll never win well there's two responses naturally fight or flight yeah. So you got to determine what you're going to do. You're going to be a fighter. You're going to be a flighter. You're going to you're going to run from your from your destiny. You're going to run from your destination. You're going to run from the vision. Or are you going to fight to make sure that that you bring God the glory and He gives you the victory? God conquers, and we will absolutely allow God to be victorious in our lives. He He fights battles for us, and I know one thing: I'm determined to fight, and I'm ready to go at any moment. You have to be. I mean, the question is this. Are you going to get caught up refereeing other people's fights? That's what happens in the body of Christ. There's so, there's so many people that are busy criticizing other people's fights that they never fight themselves. Or fighting other people's fights. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't work. You, that's why the Bible says that you've got to fight the good fight. Paul said it this way. Run that you may obtain. Which means the race is your race, not someone else's race. I can't run your race for you. You can't run mine for me. And I can't criticize your race. I'm too busy running mine to criticize yours. It's a mistake. Of, it's a trap of the devil to try to get to people to criticize other people's races. And say, well, you know what? I don't think he's running right. I don't even think he trained the way he was supposed to. I, I don't have time. I don't have time to criticize somebody else's race. I've got to run mine. Yeah, I've when, got to fight my fight. When, you're, when your eyes are focused on somebody else's battles and somebody else's problems, you're not focused on your own, on your own battles and your own problems. That's, and that's the thing. You, know, you look at that. It always makes me think this. Anytime I watch a soccer game, it makes me think of this. Because those guys are probably in the best shape of any sports athletes in the world. Those guys have to run nonstop for 90 minutes on a field that's 50% larger than a football field. And there's no timeouts. And they only get three substitutions per game. 
So that means it means nine of the guys are playing the full 90 minutes and they don't stop running ever. So I think to myself, look, those guys are in ridiculously good shape, but look at the referees. They're in just as good a shape. They have to be. They're running up and down the field with the rest of the players. But at the end of the season, there's no awards for the referees. <laughs> you can't win the championship as a referee. You can't get a trophy as a referee, which means you can be in just as good shape you can do all the running that they do and still get no prize at the end. My God. And that's what the devil wants. He wants to that's just good. run you and spin your wheels and get you worn out. But at the end, you don't get an award because you didn't run your race. You just refereed someone else's. And that's the problem is that I don't have that's time so right? <laughs> to referee somebody else's race. I don't have time. I will exert the same amount of energy as they right. are and, and get, get no, no prize. prize. Yeah. No, we run First Corinthians. To obtain. As, as runners, right, to Not obtain sh- the prize. Run to obtain. And that's the key, is that the devil gets us into, that's why every one of these problems, and I know there's some that people feel it's like good. are more, so good. you know, sexism. We've been dealing with that in the social media right now. Well, women can't do it like men. Women shouldn't be preaching. Women shouldn't be doing this. Sexism in the church. Racism in the church. Well, this is a white church. This is a black church. This is a Puerto Rican church. This is a Korean church. There's only Holy Ghost churches. You know, the interesting thing about, about division, which the devil plants in everybody, when you go fishing with Jesus, it's interesting. I heard Bishop Kevin Wallace say this. He said, there's pastors that go fishing with bait. He said, some churches are fishing yeah, for white people. That's good. Some churches fishing for black people. Right. Some churches fishing for Puerto Ricans, others for Not Koreans. A good way to fish. He said, but the problem is those churches are fishing with bait and a pole. But when you fish with Jesus, he fishes with a net. And when you drag a net, you get everything, everything. in the net. You get white, black, Korean, Puerto Rican. You get Crazy Filipino. Fish, you get rich, fish, poor, small, fish. short, fat. You get everybody. Fish with little fins. Yeah. Fish with big fins. It's old smelly boots. You get you get everything. <laughs> Tires. Yeah. You pull in the, when you pull the net, you pull in all kinds. And of that's stuff. how Christ fishes. He said, "I'll make you fishers of men," but they fish with a net. They took everything that came in. Yeah. And the devil wants us to divide ourselves and criticize people based on where they grew up, their race, their economic status, whether they're a man or woman, what all that. And it's just, all it is is me criticizing other people's races. And it's causing me to miss out on obtaining my reward. And I don't want to miss my reward. You know what's, what's good about fighting? I mean, you have to determine, listen, if you're going to be an overcomer, you, you're going you're gonna to have battles. You, the, the, the key, I think, to fighting is knowing what fight to fight. What fight is your fight? What fight is not your fight? Because even in 1 Corinthians, I mean, in uh, the passage we read, right? Was it... Uh, First Timothy, right? Yeah, six, first, six, twelve. First Timothy. Um, you fight the good fight. In other words, there's a good fight. And I think what the Apostle Paul is also saying is that not only is there a good fight, but there's also could be a, a bad fight. Yeah, a, a fight that wastes your time. Yeah, and I see Christians all over the, the Internet battling. First of all, Christians shouldn't be fighting with each other. We should yeah. be building each other up. The Bible says work to keep the peace and yeah. make room for one another's Blessed faults. Blessed are the peacemakers. Yeah, that's an interesting passage in the New Living, by the way. Guys, get that. Write it down. Those of you that are on, on you need to, every person needs to write this in all caps on the broadcast. The Bible says in the New Living, make room for one another's faults. Make room. We live in such an outrage culture. That if the moment somebody does something that offends you, it freaks people out. They freak out. Did you hear what he said? Did you hear what she said about me? Next time I say that, I'm going to give her a piece of my... It's like, take it easy. 
people aren't perfect, the Bible says, make room for one another's faults. It doesn't mean that we tolerate sin. Yeah. The Bible says to raise one up and to correct. But there's people that are going to make mistakes. I'm prepared for that. You know what Pastor Furtick said? I thought this was interesting and I, and I, and I ran with it. Is uh, He said, Off- offense is an action. Offended is a choice. Yeah. So somebody can actually take an offense against you. They can make an offense. Yeah. They can slander you. Sure. That was their offense. Yeah. But now you have a choice on whether or not to be offended That's over that. That's right. You know what I say when people say I'm offended? I tell them I'm offended that they're offended. Yeah. Get unoffended. I'm offended by offense. Offense is a choice. Offended, or offense is an action. Offended is a choice. We live in an outrage culture. I don't want to miss my rewards, so what am I doing? That's a bad fight. It's a bad fight. It's a waste of time fight. Waste of time to be offended. You're the one that pays the price. Yeah, the, the other person's not going to get They're not. They don't care. Number five, this goes right along with it because you've always got to have strength to fight. Always got to have strength to fight. So number five, the fifth characteristic of an overcomer, laugh with purpose. You got to laugh with purpose. Joy is the fuel that will give you strength to fight. A person who their joy is gone is a person who their strength is gone. The Bible says that uh, the joy of the Lord is your strength, Nehemiah 8.10. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The moment the, de- the devil's able to steal your joy or you surrender your joy, you're also surrendering your strength. You become a weakened believer. My joy is never going to be stolen from me. And in fact, joy is a bucket. Isaiah says it here in uh, the 12th chapter in the third verse. Listen to this. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. With joy, you will draw water. So your, your salvation is filled with wells. Filled with wells. But the only way to pull out what's inside them is with the bucket of joy, as Pastor said. The bucket of joy. It would be a horrible thing to be wandering through a desert knowing you need water, you need a drink. You finally see an oasis. When you get there, there's a well. And you look down, there's cool, clean water inside the well. And then you look at the top and there's a rope, but somebody's cut the bucket off and the bucket's gone. You've got all that stuff that you need that you're ready to consume, right. but you can't get to it My because God. the receptacle's gone. And that's what the devil wants. He knows there's wells in your salvation. He wants to take your bucket. Yeah. And the bucket is joy. That's it. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of your salvation. Joy's a weapon too. It's a weapon. We've got to laugh with purpose. Laughter is not something you should do when you feel like laughing. I laugh when I don't feel like laughing. Yeah. You, you have joy. Once again, we're talking about the fact joy is a choice. It's a fruit of the spirit. I choose to have joy and take actions of joy. Laugh. I'll smile. I'll dance. I dance in my house. Ask my wife. Yeah. I dance all over the house. I create an atmosphere of joy. Well, I teach our team here anytime they come up with a problem or face a, a battle. Start with laughter. Just laugh. Yeah, laughing. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, right. Instead of being offended, just laugh in their face. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Like it was a joke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're so funny. I, I, I refuse to be offended and I refuse to surrender my joy. I refuse to be offended. Offense will eat away at you. It eats away. You ever seen people that are always in strife with other people? They're like shriveled. They're just always yeah, like bitter face they, Christian. They got they got that like resting face of like like something stinks in the room. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always saying, sour. Yeah. I can't afford to be that person. Lack joy. I refuse to shrivel oh. 
in a fence and live in that I can't even be in a room with the same people. I can't even be in the no. ro- same room with people that if, 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 if I've got people around me that are constantly choosing to be in... Now, this, this sounds harsh, but I'm going to help you. I never stop loving people, but I don't have to spend my time around people. Doesn't mean I don't love them, but I'm not going to spend my time around them. If they're not... The Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. I don't need rocks. I need iron. Yeah. I don't need somebody dulling my blade. I need somebody sharpening my blade. And so I, I distance myself on purpose yeah. from people that are just joy thieves. Yeah. Have you ever been around a joy thief? If Every I, time you're around them, they just steal it from I you. If I can't make you happy, you're not going to make me sad. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly, that's great. That's a good point. I'm not going to let you make me sad. If, if I can't make you happy, you're not going to make me sad. That's a great, that's a great line. And, I, and I'm going to tell you, I, I, I live that way. Me too. If I can't get to the place where I can bring you into a, a place of overcoming joy. If, if I'm not bringing you up, you're not bringing me down. Bye. Bye, Felicia. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. I can't do it. Because here's the thing, I, can't, I understand how important my joy is and I can't sacrifice it. I refuse to sacrifice it. I'm not letting people have my strength because they're not disciplined enough to live in overwhelming joy. And so there's people that'll do that to you. They'll always try to pull you into strife, pull yeah. you into crisis, yeah. pull you into that, fights that, and that's, drama. That's a word for somebody watching online. Listen, stop sacrificing your joy to try to make other people happy. Yeah. Okay. If well, you she can't, needs me. She needs no, me. No, she needs Jesus. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> she needs Jesus. People filled, if, they're pulling you in. It's like, it always makes me think of that Al Pacino line from Godfather Part 3. Every time I think I'm out, they pull, pull me, me back, back in. in. Yeah. They, and that's, that's how it works. Yeah. There's people that all they want to do is pull you back into their drama, pull you back into their issue. I've, I've, there's, you ever seen this? And I know that you guys are here that have seen this. There's people that thrive on drama. If, something's, if, if, if there's no drama happening, they don't know what to do. They don't know. They got to create some more. It's like they got Jersey Shore Christians out there. All they want to do, sit in a hot tub and, and, and talk about other people. Yeah. It's like, I, I don't have time. I don't have time for that. I can't choose to step out of love and walk in strife. It'll affect my faith. It'll affect my harvest. Yeah. It'll affect my victory. Yeah. Everything. That goes back to decision. You got to make a decision. You know what I mean? It's it, it, that frustrating. Being, it's, it's being like, miserable is not in the uh, picture of my life. My God. No, it's true. I, I refuse it. Just, just make up your mind. Those of you that are watching, I refuse it. I refuse it. I'm not going to have it. Not in my life. Not around my family. Not in my house. I refuse. We actually have put, we've anointed our house and we made up in our mind that this doorstep is where it stops. Yeah. If people walk into our house, if they're depressed, their depression will fall off them at the doorstep. When they come into our house, they'll feel overwhelming joy. If they're, if they're in a place of fear or panic, they'll feel peace when they walk through. We have people come over to counsel with us before and they come in weeping and they come in, they'll sit on our couch. Three minutes later, they're asleep in pure fake peace. Gone. Yeah. Why? Because there's Choices. joy in my house. That's right. There's peace in my house. And I, all that other stuff has to stay far from my house in Jesus' name. And it has to stay far from your house in Jesus' name. Yeah, I, you know. I want you to write it in the comments in yes. all caps. It stays far from my house in Jesus' name. Overcomers are, are, are happy people. That's right. They're joyous people. You know, you, you can bet your bottom dollar where you see joy, the presence of the Lord is not far. Yeah. Because in his presence is fullness of joy. Let me read you something. And pleasures at his right hand. That's right. Forevermore. Listen to Psalm 67. 
this will this will uh, this will show you the importance of joy in regards to your. Um, That's right. In Tim. regards to your in, in regards to your vision and your your increase. Listen to this. The Bible says in Psalm sixty-seven verses five through seven, "Let the people praise you, O God." Let all the people praise you. Then the earth will yield its increase and God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us and the ends of the earth will fear him. So when you release your praise, and which is your joy, then the Bible says the earth will yield its increase. The earth has to respond to your praise and joy. The earth has to respond to my praise and my joy. Literally, as I step into it, the earth begins to yield increase everywhere I go. Because see, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That's so it. when I begin to praise him and magnify him and the joy of his presence fills my life, all of the earth has to respond to his presence in my life. All the earth, it responds to his presence in my life. Finally, let's end with this. The final one. I want to talk about that joy a little I bit. I know. <laughs> I know. But don't forget. I'm, we're, we're I'm getting happy just thinking about it. <laughs> Don't forget. We're here all week. <laughs> That's right. Number six. The Bible says, mirror your mentor. Second Kings chapter six. We're talking about Elijah and Elisha. What did Elisha do? Everywhere Elijah went, he followed. Final trip of Elijah's life. Stopped at the three schools of the prophets. And everywhere, every time he stopped, watch, this was a test, I believe. I've got to go further. Why don't you stay here? Part from me. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. I'll never, I'll never leave you. Yeah. As the Lord, my God lives, I will not leave yeah, you. I was always, he just kept trying to leave him everywhere. Yeah. Well, you, you feel like that, like he didn't care about, but I believe it was a prophetic test sure. to see his hunger. That's it. Because notice this. Yeah. That, uh, Are you willing to go a little farther? Yeah, Elisha. Or you want to stay here. This is an important a point to understand. He was not the only prophet in the land. All those places were schools of prophets. 150 of them, right? Yeah. School is founded by Samuel, taken over by Elijah, and then taken over by Elisha. Colleges of prophets. So everywhere they ended up, Bethel, Jericho, Gilgal, these were all schools. And so they so were all good. prophets. There's prophets that watch and there's prophets that work. So they all, they all knew. <laughs> what did they say to Elisha? They said, don't you know your father's going to be taken away from you today? They had a prophetic word. Yeah. Elijah's leaving the earth. He said, of course I know, but stay quiet about it. And none of them went with Elijah. Only Elisha did. Meaning he had the hunger that they didn't have. Oh, he tried to leave them all over the place. Oh, yeah. But it was a test to see, are you willing to keep going? Kept are on. you willing to walk in my... See, because here yeah. was the word when he said, what do you want from me? I want a double, double portion, portion of your spirit. If you see You've me asked me a hard thing, but if you see me when I go... There, see it. You got to see it. Now, my uncle... That determines what he did and what he didn't do. That determines what he said and what he didn't say. Very, very true. And my uncle, my uncle was Ooh, doing a study on this. I found this to be very interesting. My uncle Terry was doing a study on this once and in the Hebrew, and he, and he, and he found that it could also be said this way, uh, you know, if you see me when I go. But the, tr the, the way you could also say it, if we see eye to eye when I go. Wow. Meaning, if you have my vision when I go, then you can have my anointing. See, because my anointing is not there for you to go do whatever you want with it. My anointing is so you can carry on what God called me to do. The vision. Anointing is always attached to function and purpose. You can't just take somebody's anointing and then go do whatever you want with it. The anointing was for the function. Yeah. Elijah was a prophet that was there to do prophetic things on behalf of the kingdom of God. So Elisha can't take that anointing and then go back to being a farmer. 
The anointing's not for farming. It's for prophetic ministry. So you have to take the anointing and then Man. continue the function, which is exactly what he did. He took the mantle, went back to the water that his master had just parted at the Jordan. He slapped the water with the mantle and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And then went up the same way he the, came back. The water parted for him. And here's what's wild. All of those sons of the prophets looked from a far way that. away and said, surely the spirit of Elijah rests upon Elijah. They could see it. They didn't have to wait till he got up on them and was standing talking to him from a far way away. They said, surely the spirit of Elijah rests. They could see the impartation from far away. I could picture all the Bible college students just like, you know, <laughs> God's working with you yeah. know, somebody mightily and powerfully. They're, they're just like, oh, snap. Did you see that? Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Did you see that? Yeah, that's exactly what happened. So number six, every overcomer, they mirror their mentor. Every or overcomer, you mirror your, what does that mean? It means that now I'm going to receive impartation from somebody who's already walking in an overcoming way in the area that I'm called to walk in. Find, locate it yeah. and, and receive it. It's not, and this is important, it's not the responsibility of fathers to seek out sons. It's the responsibility of sons to seek out fathers. Fathers don't go looking for sons to have. Sons are searching for a father. I need a father. I need someone to raise me up, train me up. I need somebody. And so, you know, it, it's very interesting. It's that fathers are doing the work. Sons want to receive the power to do the work. So a father's not going to break his work to then go looking for sons to come. And They're coming to him. They're working. No, notice, the Bible says that the sons of the prophets sat at Elijah's feet. He didn't sit at their feet. They sat at his feet. And so understand that. We're to be, we're to be searching. We're to be searching for impartation to receive that function. And see, that's why it's important to know what you are. And where you're going. Yeah, because if you don't know who you are, you'll be, you'll, you'll be trying to receive impartation from everybody. It's worthless to receive impartation from everybody because they're not all doing what you're called to do. Whatever you're... Go, wherever you're going to, whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're trying to overcome, you need to find somebody that's overcame it already. Somebody that's already done it. You can learn from somebody that's done what you're trying to do. No question. It totally speaks of mentorship. Every single person at the sound of my voice that's watching online that is in this room, every single person needs a mentor. I have a mentor. I have people that mentor me. Matter of fact, one of my mentors is here this, this week. Uh, his, his father is one of the mentors of my life. Bishop Rick. There's people, I even get around great men of God that help, that, that, that are farther down the road than where I'm at. It doesn't have to be older. It, doesn't, it could be younger. It could be somebody that's farther down, the, somebody that's already done what you're trying to do. But how worthless would it be for you and I to go apprentice to an electrician? And spend three years learning. It's a waste of our time. It's a waste of our talent. It's a waste of our ability. I'm not going to sit there under an electrician for three years when I know I'm called to be a here's, minister here's of the what gospel. I've learned from my mentor. If you want the gift, you have to sit underneath the gift. That's exactly right. Amen. My father's taught that for years. If you want to have a gift, you have to sit under a gift. Meaning that you've got to connect to the people who hold the gifts or operating in the gifts that you want to operate in. You know what I'm saying? So it would be pointless 
It's fuel for your vehicle. Right. It's fuel. It would be pointless to sit under somebody who you don't want anything they have. Why would I go receive impartation from somebody I don't want what they have? Why would I receive marriage counseling from a person who's about to be divorced? Or has been divorced seven times. Right. <laughs> Tell me how you did it. How did you have such well, success? Well, we know this eighth time is the, is the new beginning. I've only had one wife. You've had seven. That's, <laughs> no. That's, in case you didn't notice this, there's no financial planner in the world that goes out into the slums of the inner cities of America, finds a homeless person and says, now tell me, how did you invest your money this fiscal year? It's like, they don't know. They don't. What do you think would be the invest, best investments for my portfolio? They don't know. If they knew, they wouldn't be in the position they're in. You've got to find somebody who has overcome and gain understanding from somebody that's at a higher level than you are. I want us to pray for every person that's watching right now because I have no doubt the Bible says in Proverbs 4.18, the path of the just is a shining light that shines more and more, or one translation, brighter and brighter until the perfect day. God's plan for your life is never-ending increase. No question. Never-ending increase. God doesn't want you to have an up year than a down year. He doesn't want you to be you know, blown away in prosperity one year and then you're struggling to make ends meet the second year. That's not God's plan. His plan is that you never stop growing, never stop increasing, never stop walking in the blessing. And so without question, you're called to be an overcomer in every area of life. Every area. But these, these things have to be done because nobody becomes an overcomer on accident. No. <laughs> nobody just Those shows Those are very them. practical steps to, oh, to overcoming sure. anything that you're battling in life. No question about it. Your division. And so I want to pray right now for every person that if you don't know what you're called to do, if you don't know who God's called you to be, that before this week comes to an end, that you would have a fresh word from the Holy Spirit on what God has called you to do and who he's called you to be and where you're called to go. So I want you to bow your head. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray for every person here and every person that's watching in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah, Lord. We ask you, Lord, in Jesus' name to open up the windows of heaven, open up the eyes of their understanding. Give them a clear vision of their calling and their purpose. Hallelujah. Lord, do not let them be confused. Don't let them be discouraged. Don't let them be in a place of chaos. But Father, give them a clear vision of their purpose and their calling and give them the faith to accomplish it in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that the final two months of this year would be the greatest positioning months they've ever spent yes. before we step into 2020. And as you said, to me in Washington that you would give us these final months of the year as an on-ramp into 2020 to pick up speed and momentum before we hit January 1 where we'll be running at full speed at the beginning of the year. Let that be the case for every person watching in Jesus' name. Bless them abundantly in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, I want to encourage those of you that are watching and those of you that are here to take a minute and to sow a seed. We're going to pray again in a moment because we need a word from the Holy Spirit. But those of you that are watching online, if you're on YouTube, if you're on Periscope, Facebook, wherever you might be watching, maybe you're listening to this on the podcast. I want to encourage <laughs> you to take a minute and sow a seed by faith. Those of you that are watching on, on Facebook and Periscope, you can simply put hashtag donate in the comments section and you have a way, an opportunity to give that way. You can also go to miracleword.com and sow a seed right on the website, or if you'd like to use an app to sow a seed, PayPal or Cash App, 
the information, Justin, you can put it on the screen. You can drop it. Um, PayPal, you can use info at miracleword.com. And if you'd like to use Cash App to sow a seed today, it's dollar sign Miracle Word, the way that they do it through Cash App. So however you'd like to sow, take a minute and sow. But we're going to pray because we need an instruction from the Lord. When we sow a seed, as we talked about today, it is a plan for the future that God has to bless us. Every time we sow a seed, it is a plan for the future to bring us increase. And I'm telling you, as we talked about a moment ago, there's no quicker way to walk in the increase of God than to obey him in seed sowing. There's no quicker way. None. You can, listen, there's no business plan. There's no financial planner that can take you into what God has for you no. simply by obeying this, his instruction. This is October. This, this is harvest month. It's a harvest month. And it's seed time and harvest. So you actually get seed when you get your harvest. That's right. And this is a perfect time. This is when we sow grass seed. If I want my lawn to be like full bloom in the spring, I've, I've, I've had uh, true green already come out, poke holes in the ground yep. and drop seed in there. Why? Because I'm going to have me some grass. Come on. Absolutely. I'm going to have some grass come the spring. Absolutely. So right. this is seed time and harvest. These are cycles. This is this is a harvest month yep. that determines this also to be a seed month. That's right. Where you we we're planted. We have a whole week with of expectation. Meetings. We have a whole week of meetings. Our church is geared on seed time and harvest. That's yep. why we've seen exponential growth. That's Absolutely why God's blessing building our people. I've seen uh, God spoke to me. He said, we're going to have ten millionaires raised up right here Praise out of God. our church. We've already got one that's already stepped into the million dollar arena. Praise God! And there's already been people released. Nine and to so, go. And so. Our whole church is built on not only uh, dominion, but seed time and harvest. We've yeah. seen so many people get set free from bondage because of so many. We have businesses being raised up. We I have a person that's in this room right now that's just launched their second location. Praise God's God. already blessing them. Steps of faith. Praise and it God. all started with the seed. So this is a time to get seed into the ground. I see it here on the, uh, on the comments if they're sending a check. If you're sending a check that's made out to Miracle Word Ministries, the address is right on the website, P.O. Box 65116, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23467. Um, you can find it on the website, miracleword.com, and it'll be right at the footer. The whole address is listed in the footer of the website, uh, and, you can, and you can check it out there. Uh, let's pray and ask God to speak a word to every one of us. You got a one word? more thing. Listen, if you're in the area tonight at seven o'clock right, right here through Friday, we, we've, we've got these miracle meetings that we're having signs and wonders camp meeting right yep. here at Crossroads Community Church. Yesterday so was you, phenomenal. You could come if you can, if you, you bring that check, if you're in the area, you can bring mm-hmm. it right down here. Matter of fact, bring a picture of those that you'd like to see yeah. healed, saved or set free. Absolutely. And we're lining this entire altar up here with pictures. There's already a bunch of pictures that are on this, on these altars right here. We're believing for miracles yep. and exponent. God is repositioning His people, and I believe for not only for for a life uh, of abundance, but prosperous lives. Absolutely. Let's pray, Father. I pray you speak to every person today. Give them an instruction as to what you'd have them to sow today. We thank you, Lord, that as we receive the instruction, your word declares if we're willing and obedient, that we'll eat the good of the land. And so we thank you, Lord, that this this year is going to finish and 2020 is going to be filled with every one of God's obedient people eating the good of the land. We will not be in a place of survival mode. We'll not be scraping the bottom of the barrel. We'll walk in the overflow and we will stand in the good of the land in the mighty name of Jesus. Now, speak that word clearly to us. We'll be faithful to obey it. 
In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.